Uh, I want to just share a message with you today celebrating what today is all about. Making sure we're connected to our spiritual legacy and ancestry. It is amazing. And I, I want us to just take a fresh look. Every once in a while, you need to back up and make sure that we're following God's original plan for the church. While you're finding Acts 2, I want to encourage you to catch that last video announcement. We have a great opportunity. I'm going to ask you personally, I don't do this for a lot of things, but I'm going to ask you to make an effort for you and your family to be in that Sunday night, June the 5th service. Marcus and Joni Lamb, the founders of Daystar Christian Television, it's the second largest Christian television network in the world. It's the fastest growing. And I'm going to ask you to be here. They're going to bring their entire team, all their worship team. Marcus Lamb will be preaching. He just spoke for T.D. Jakes in his conference in Florida. And uh, so it's going to be an incredible night. Now, what happens? This puts North Alabama, uh, begins to put us on the radar. I think the world needs to know what God's doing in North Alabama. How many can say amen to that? So we need to show up and fill the house. We're going to be inviting other pastors. We want to use this as an opportunity to bring the body of Christ together. But it will be important. It will be a significant night to to be here. It will bring uh, God's focus on what's happening here, what's happening in North Alabama. We need to represent on that night. Can somebody say amen? So I'm giving you plenty of time. Invite your friends, your family, your neighbors to be here. I believe it's going to be very strategic for this region and and what God's doing going forward. So, uh, big opportunity for us to gather together, be here. It's going to be an amazing night, and I believe the impact has international uh, possibilities. Acts chapter 2. I want you to look with me. Today is the day of Pentecost. It's the birthday of the church. Where do we get the term Pentecost? Look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Now, we're going to look at uh, why were they there, uh, how was the church birthed, what was this all about. But I I want you to have a sense of who we are today, of how we got here, of what we're doing and what God's plan for the church is. The day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish feast. It was a feast that occurred 50 days, therefore the Pente pronoun there or a preceding verb that's on the front there, uh, Pentecost was 50, 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits or what we call Easter, the resurrection of Christ. These feasts were prophetic. Each one of them had a, had a corresponding New Testament fulfillment. Jesus was raised to life on the Feast of First Fruits. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Feast of Pentecost or Harvest. Look at the wisdom of God. Jews from around the world had filled the city of Jerusalem on that day for that feast. And at that strategic moment, God birthed the church. That's where the term Pentecost comes from. Now, you may have heard the term Pentecostal. Now, Pentecostal is kind of like saying automobile. There are a thousand different models of what that looks like. But what we do, seeing the Word of God... And and, and coming into this chapter, we begin to understand how the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. The church, let's read these first four verses, and we're going to look at several as we go through this chapter. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like blowing, the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled 
the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, okay, watch closely, that separated and came to rest on who? On each of them. Do you get that? Each of them. Now look at the beginning of verse 4. What do we read here? The first three words, all of them. So I want you to see this. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit was for whom? For each of them. And, sorry, I did that to you. And all of them were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Each of them, all of them. This is inclusive. This was God's pattern for the church. This wasn't just for a few. It wasn't just for the apostles. It wasn't just for this one or that one. I want you to see how the church was birthed. Each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there in that upper room in a prayer meeting, the church was birthed. It was not just a spontaneous event. God had ordained this and planned this from the beginning of time. That was the moment God chose so that the exposure and the impact would be its greatest. Now, I want you to think about this. I want to talk about the supernatural power of the church today. I want to talk about the supernatural nature of the church. Guys, we live in a westernized church culture. We live in a church system that has turned the raw power of the Holy Spirit into religious ritual. We, we, have, we have so denigrated. We have so uh, gone through attrition from the beginning of the church to where we are today that I'm concerned few regular church worshipers really understand how God began this church. Think of it with me for a moment. The supernatural nature of what God did and is doing. When the church was birthed, 120 believers were present. We could put that church in any one of these five, six, six sections in this building right now. Think of the entire church. Every Christian on the planet could fit in one little room. There are 120. That's amazing to me. Not only were all the Christians that existed in the world in one place, and there were 120 of them, they were all Jews. Have you ever thought about that? When the church began, every one of them were born-again Jews in Jerusalem, not spread all over the world. 2,000 years later, it is amazing. The statisticians have a difficult time tracking this, but right now we are told there's somewhere upwards of 1.7 to 2 billion Christians on planet earth right now. 120 survived the, the persecution and martyrdom of Nero and the Roman emperors of that century, the Hitlers, the Idi Amin's, the Mussolini's, the, the, the uh, persecution, the penalty of death have survived all these things and now nearly 2 billion believers on this planet. At this very moment, Calvary Assembly, we're a part of a fellowship, not a denomination, but a fellowship of churches. We cooperatively work together to send the gospel around the world, to ordain our ministers and keep our doctrine pure. Those are the three reasons we have fellowship. And, and this fellowship that we're a part of, we're very blessed. doesn't mean we're bigger, smarter, nicer, more anointed. But the good news is this fellowship we're a part of is the largest slice is the largest Christian fellowship on the planet today. 
You know the fellowship that we're a part of has 70 million Christians worshiping on this planet right now. Our fellowship of churches. Do you know that the Assemblies of God Fellowship is in every continent on the planet? Not only every continent, but every time zone around the globe. There is no place on this globe today as we go through 24 time zones that there is not a group of our fellowship praising and worshiping God on the birthday of the church. Come on. Is that not an amazing, amazing thing? And we're just part of. A vast work that God is doing. But I have to be honest with us. When you look at the global church, and can I tell you, let's be clear about this, there's only one church. And it's not Calvary Assembly. We're part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one church. Every born-again Christian on the planet makes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if anybody tells you they're the church, it would be a good time to leave. Because the church is bigger than any one building, any one denomination, any one fellowship, any one group of people. The church was birthed by Almighty God. He owns the church. It belongs to Him. We serve Him on this planet. I need to not get started on that. So, the church, it's amazing what God is doing. But if you look at the church globally today, we we have to... Take notice of some things and and, and check ourselves. Because the only place on the planet the church is growing faster than the birth rate is in the southern hemisphere of this planet. In South America, Central and South America, and in the African continent, and in Asia, the church is exploding. Isn't it interesting that... Our American mindset is that we're the church and everybody else is kind of little brother and little sister. Well, let me tell you something. The church used to have the mindset from the West to the rest. But now the mindset of the church is from the best to the rest. And I can tell you, they're sending missionaries to the United States of America right now. The United States of America has the third largest number of unsaved people of any nation on the planet today. Our country, our watch, our nation. There is no place north of the hemisphere, of the equator, in the northern hemisphere, north of the equator, where the church is growing like it is in the southern hemisphere of this globe. But God's not through with us. And God's able to do amazing things. So you and I need to understand that we, we might want to take a fresh look at the church. Because there are places in the world, in the face of the most fierce persecution, that the church is growing uh, exponentially. And I'm going to tell you that the God that birthed this church we're going to look at today is the same God today that He was back then. That His power is not diminished. That Jesus, who is the head of the church, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews tells us. And that what we want to just get a glimpse of say, oh God, give us a jump start in the American church. God, pour your spirit out on us. I want to say again, I believe the element that is distinguishing the growing church around this globe. And let me tell you, I've had the privilege to be in 30 countries representing Christ in this church. 
doing pastor's conferences and crusades and working in these mission fields. And I can tell you that I have seen firsthand what God is doing. It is stunning and amazing. And I want to tell you today, and I want to speak prophetically this moment, God's not through with America, and we've not missed our moment, and God still wants to revitalize His church and do greater things than any of us have seen. We're not supposed to go out barely hanging on. We're supposed to, when the rapture happens, if we go into rapture, or or, or, let's just say the rapture, this is how Calvary Assembly is supposed to go to heaven. Are you with me? This is how we're supposed to go to heaven. We're supposed to go to heaven so hot and hard, coming in hard. We're going to come in hot. That they better throw open the pearly gates. And we're going to hit the brakes and launch the parachutes and hope we don't slide out the back door before we get stopped. Now, if you want to go any other way, you're at the wrong place this morning. We're not going to limp in, cry in, whine in, beg in, crawl in. We're going to blow in because we're going to do what God put us on this earth to do. So we've seen these great things. Now, I can tell you that, that, that these places I've been, well, I won't go through that. I've eaten some of the weirdest, crazy stuff I've ever eaten in my life. And I did it for Jesus because they said, don't make people unhappy. I said, my God in heaven. But this is what I learned to pray. I said, God, heal the food before you have to heal me in the name of Jesus. Cast every biological germ. And I spent too many years in pre-med looking in a microscope. I wish I did not know what I know. I wish I had not seen all that stuff. But I just say, in Jesus' name, cast it out. Keep me well. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The Holy Spirit was outpoured on them. Now look at this. Look at verse 6. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because they, uh, each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed. See, a supernatural church will bring amazement. A supernatural church will allow you to do what you could not do in your own ability. The, the, the quality, I want to say this, that I've witnessed in these churches that I've been blessed to be a part of around the world. The distinguishing character. Listen to me closely today. This is from first-hand experience and documentation of those who've seen much more than I have. But if you go to the church in South America, and Central America, if you go to the church on the African continent, if you go to the church in Asia, and you see this stunning growth, the quality that is the same, the similarity in them all, is not their ethnicity, it is not their languages, it is not their social economic levels. It is the supernatural power of God that is present and evident in everything they do. It is the element they carry that the Western church has allowed to ebb away in its experience. So these people were gathered and amazed because they heard these men supernaturally, without natural ability, speaking languages That God alone had taught them. So they gathered to listen. And we go to verse 11. And the end of verse 11 says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. They weren't gibbering and jabbering and emotionally babbling. The Holy Spirit, among other things, had given them the supernatural ability. I'm going to put supernatural on you today. Supernatural means above natural ability. Beyond what we can do. Now, there are only two sources of supernatural power in the world today. Listen to me. Only two. There are no 
spiritual forces that are good or neutral or human that have any value if they're not honoring God. You understand what I'm saying? There are no Christian psychics. There are no neutral witches. There are only two sources of supernatural power. If anything's happening above natural ability, it's either from God or the devil. That's it. So, now, the people being used may be deceived, but you don't need to be. Two sources of supernatural power. Why would God put His church in a world with a supernatural devil and leave us in a gunfight with a butter knife? Why would he put us in a world with a supernatural devil and not have us the supernatural power of God to promote everything he says and who he is? So they said, we hear them praising God and declaring the wonders of God supernaturally in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Now there's always going to be this next crowd. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. The lowest level of intelligence is to make light of something you don't understand. And that foolishness will always exhibit itself. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven. Now remember, Peter, the last time we read about this dude, he was quitting. Waffling. Cussing out the slave girl. Going back to fishing. Don't look at me that way. The Bible tells us all that stuff. And all of a sudden, we find him standing up in the middle of the people who used to be afraid of what happened. A supernatural anointing had come on this man's life that took him beyond his ability and enabled him to begin to do, declare, and say what only the power of God could do. Everybody with me now? This is not just for the apostles. Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this birthday of the church was not a random coincidental meeting. It had been prophesied, planned, ordained by God hundreds of years before this moment. In fact, from the foundation of the earth, this was the plan of God. So he begins to quote the prophecy of that day. Watch this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Any people in the house? All right, we're included in this. Hallelujah. In the last days, God said, I will pour my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters. Anybody have sons and daughters in the house? Can I see your hand? You know what the Bible says, the plan of God for your sons and daughters? Your sons and daughters are supposed to prophesy. Your sons and daughters are supposed to grow up and speak out the Word of God. Your sons and daughters are not to be addicts and statistics and sinners and bound and ruined and wrecked according to the Word of God. Your daughters, my daughters, your sons, my sons, our daughters, our sons of this house, they will not serve the devil. They will prophesy. They will declare the Word of God. They will raise up a standard. They will cause this nation to see there is a God on His throne. That's our sons and daughters. That's supernatural. That's not natural. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. You can't retire in a supernatural church. Even on my servants, both men and women. Now, a supernatural church, you're going to have to get over some tradition. 
Don't throw your Bibles at me right now. You're going to have to get past some things that man put in place. Because God says, I'm going to use the old and the young. And then he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on those days and, and on, on, on men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they, they, the men and the women, will prophesy. Now, I, I know some of you think woman can't speak in a church. It's very difficult to prophesy without talking. I'll stop there because I want to do some other things. So, what happened? Let, let, let's go to verse 36. So, Peter's preaching. People are listening to him. They're, 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 they're amazed. They're stunned. This crowd is gathering. It, a massive crowd was gathering. You need to understand, in a moment, we're going to see 3,000 got saved. Do you realize that the city of Jerusalem, the population, the normal population of that day was probably only 20,000? So therefore, he says, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Man, in a supernatural church, you'll tell the truth no matter who the crowd is. <laughs> Peter says, I need you to know, you know the Jesus you guys just killed? Well, he's the Son of God. It's all about Jesus. Now look at this. What else happens in a supernatural church? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's called Conviction. In a supernatural church, the Holy Spirit will convict you sometime. If you never get convicted in church, you're at the wrong church. My job's not to make everybody happy and sappy. My job's not for you to come in and leave the same way you came in. The job of the church is not to be ugly and critical and judgmental and hellfire and brimstone and act ugly. But the job of the church is to tell the truth in love. And when you tell the truth, it will cause your heart to be convicted as these people were. And this is what happens when you're convicted. In a supernatural church, the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and make it personal in your life. And only when that happens will the next thing happen. So what happened? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the, and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I want to get saved. I don't want to be a sinner. I'm tired of living this life. If we're a supernatural church, men and women that don't know Christ should know they're welcome and safe to come here. But they should also know that when they come, God is going to reach down in their heart and say, you need to give your life to Christ. So, Peter replied, repent. That means turn and walk a different direction. Don't just say, say, I'm sorry. It means quit. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Look at this. Now he's talking about us again. The promise is for you, those that are here. It's for your children. They haven't even been born yet. It's for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Anybody here saved today? Anybody called to Jesus? Oh, we're here. So this promise is for us. We're going to receive the work of the Holy Spirit. With many other words, He warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Look at this. Those who accepted His message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Church began with 120. Sun went down on 3,000. 120. Man, what a birthday. What a birth. What, what a beginning. It's supernatural. Do you understand that? 
This is supernatural. This isn't natural, it's supernatural. Let's look at verse 42. So what did that church look like? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, I was amazed when I really began to look at these things, four qualities of this church. Guys, we, we need some super on our natural. Huh? In fact, you might want to say that to God. God, put some super on my natural, please. Because my natural is not enough. Here's the thing that amazes me. We, we think we're, we're and, and please, I, I'm happy with you. I'm happy with God. I'm blessed. I'm happy. I, I'm ready to roll. But I just know God wants to do more with us. Not just Calvary, but the church in America. You understand? God wants to do more with us. Look at these four things they were devoted to. Two of these, I think we would, we would understand completely. They kind of sandwich. Look, what he said, first of all, he said, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. They were devoted to the Word of God. Devoted. That means committed. Steadfast. Everybody with me? Devoted to the Word of God. And then he gives, at the end of the four, he says, and to prayer. We understand those things, don't we? I don't know if we do them, but we understand them. Devoted to the Word and to prayer. But right in the middle is the thing that surprises me, to be quite honest. In this first century, right off the upper room, anointing with the Holy Spirit, half of what they were devoted to was each other. Fellowship and breaking of bread. They spent time in devotion to the Word and to prayer. I want you to get this. And their devotion to each other was as strong as their devotion to those principles that were taught them. Fellowship and eating together. Now you need some supernatural to get to that in our culture today. Because in our culture, well, it says they met every day in the temple and from house to house. Let's talk about that for a minute. We've got a lot of people who want to love Jesus. They get the vertical part of this thing. We're good with the word and prayer. But when I had to go horizontal, Start having to love everybody else. We need some supernatural. Because you know us, we like our space. Look, I go to church with those people. They're not coming to my house. What do you mean you're going to come over and eat my food? What are you talking about? Have you seen their kids? They're going to bring that snotty-nosed mob into my house? I don't think so. I mean, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to church with them and let Pastor Adrian take care of they, they, my house. They're going to get a job and eat their own food. I mean, I'm not, what do you mean? We're talking about church. Let's get out of this food and come to the house business. See how quiet we got? We like church, but house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got no problem with Jesus, but these people. I got some problem with these people. Come on, don't look at me like that. See, the church loved each other. They loved each other. They were as devoted. Listen, you've got to get this. They were as devoted to each other as they were to the Word and prayer. They were devoted to those things. Let's keep reading. Look at this. I'm going to tell you, this is supernatural. We think we need supernatural for somebody to get healed. We do. We need supernatural for somebody to love. Come on, let's get real with this thing. This is who we are. This is the birth. We're talking about our, our birthday. We're looking at our legacy. Let's go on. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. That means wonder and amazement. This church was in awe of what God was doing. Why? 
And many wonders and miraculous signs are being done by the apostle. Do you realize the signs, wonders, and miracles happened after the fellowship and the prayer? Do you know a lot of people in America say, where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? I think God wants to say, where's the love? Where's the love? Everybody wants to act smart and say, well, I don't see any miracles. Well, maybe you need to back up a verse. Find out where the fellowship and the breaking of bread is. <laughs> and maybe the church will fall in love with each other and get in unity. God might decide to do the next thing on the list. Just saying. We keep trying to act like we don't have faith or God's changed. I think God's the same God and there's enough faith. I believe we need to fall in love with God and fall in love with each other. I believe we need to take the limits off God and say, God, you can use my house. You can use my car. You can use my life. You can use my home. I know I'm not preaching. You can use my food. You can use my time. God, I will do what I need to do because you have changed my life. And I'm not natural. I'm supernatural. And I will go beyond what's easy and do what's right. So they are in awe at the wonders and miracles. Verse 44. Look at this spontaneous generosity. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to, to anyone as he had need. They did. If there was a need, they just, they just gave. They just shared. They just helped. They just said, you need it, I've got it. Now you can't force that. How many understand what I'm saying? You cannot force that. I've seen people try to do that. The church is not to make a commune and go live off somewhere. We're to be the light of the world. Salt of the earth. We don't hide. We go. But we're generous. Compassionate. There's something different about us. We're supernatural. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Look at that. that. There wasn't enough to go to the temple. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What were they doing? Look at this. This is amazing. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I want to come back to that in a moment. Enjoying the favor of all the people. And what happened because of that? And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. What a church. Supernatural church. It was an amazing picture of Christ. Let, let's back up and, and look at Acts chapter 1. Why were they gathered there on this day? You need to understand that it was a supernatural birth. They were born again. The Bible says that, that uh, the way we come into the kingdom of God is by being born again. We don't come into the kingdom of God by just joining a church, signing a card, by buying a Bible. In John 3, I'm going, to, I'm going to read from Acts 1, but let me refer. In John 3, there was a very well-trained, wealthy, religious leader wrestling with Jesus. Who is Jesus? What should I do with him? Just like our generation. Is he who he says he is? And because of religious pressure, peer pressure, the Bible says he comes to Jesus at night. A clandestine, secret meeting. He doesn't want his friends to see who he's going to meet. And he starts off with his religious intro. Now, Mr. Jesus, I've been watching you. And I've come to the conclusion 
I don't know who you are, but I've come to the conclusion that you must be from God because of the miracles that you do. And Jesus said, just stop there. Nicodemus, I appreciate that. That's what he says. You read it in John 3. Nicodemus, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. You have no ability to perceive what you're talking about. You cannot know who I am, what I've come to do, until you're born again. Now, Nicodemus does the classic carnal mind thing. Born again? How does a man go back in the womb of his mother? And What do you mean? You've lost it, Jesus. He said, Nicodemus, I'm talking about the Spirit. Unless you're born by the Spirit, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Do you guys understand with me, according to the Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the Bible says a carnal-minded man, limited to our flesh mind, our natural mind, what we have without him, the Bible says can't even understand the things of God. They're foolishness to him because they're spiritually discerned. Don't get freaked out. Excuse me. Don't become upset. If people don't get it. Because until you were born again, you didn't get it. Huh? But what happens is, he said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And the only way we become a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be born again. To come into relationship with Jesus Christ to accept Him as our Savior. And when we do, the Holy Spirit comes in our life and we're made new from the inside out. We're born again. It is a supernatural rebirth. You've heard me say it many times. I have what I believe about what people say, how they were born. I'm this way because I'm born that way. I'm this way because I'm born that way. And, and, and I have my thoughts and they have their thoughts. But this is where I don't have to have a thought. This is where I have the Word of God. I don't know how you were born, but I know how you can be born again. And when you're born again, you have a supernatural transformation in your life. Because the Bible says, Behold, all things are new. Old things have passed away. And all things are new. That's why when we baptize you in water, that's not when you get saved. You were saved when you put your faith in Christ. You can put a a dry sinner in the baptismal tank, and what do you get when he comes up? A wet sinner. But if somebody has accepted Jesus, then it means something. What are we doing? We're, we're saying this. We always ask this question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? If they say yes, then we say, in the name of the, according to your confession in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? You go under. Why? Old things are buried and gone. But we don't leave you there. Hallelujah. We pull you back up. All things have become new. Now, some people, I have been tempted to hold down longer. Because I wasn't sure if they were saved. Then this is what I know. People get serious with God real fast underwater. I know they're not going to die. When, if I'm not sure, when the bubbles start coming up, I'll pull them up at that point. But I want to keep, anyway, you know... Born again. 
The church is supernatural. None of us, no one from that day to today has joined a church. We've been born into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, born again. Now, when we're born again, watch this, the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. And that's good. But what did Jesus say? Look in Acts 1, 1, and I've, I've got to read a couple things here, and, and, and I must move on. Why were they there? Because Jesus had told them to. Watch this in verse 1 of Acts 1. In, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So it's not over. Did you get that? This is what he began to do. It's not completed. Who, who, who completes it? You and I. The birthday of the church was the transition from Christ's earthly ministry and now it's in the hands of his church. Now look at verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is why they were there in Acts 2. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They didn't get it at first. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was a political question. Are you going to physically sit on the throne and run the Romans out? He said, no, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by His own authority. Look at verse 8. But here's the deal. This is why you wait. This is what we read about happening in Acts 2. But you will receive what? Power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what he said was this. He said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power of God is going to clothe you. Luke 24 said, you'll be clothed with power from on high. So watch this. When I'm born again, the Holy Spirit indwells me, changes me. We sang it. What did he say? Makes me new from the inside out. How many are thankful he's still working on us? But he said here that not only when you're born again will the Holy Spirit change you, indwell you. He said you need to be clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Baptized. Immersed. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the power of God comes upon us. See, being born again by the Spirit enables you to be who God called you to be. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit helps you do what God called you to do. So we must be clothed with power. We have no other option but to be a supernatural church. Because we have been put on this planet to continue to do what Jesus did as he walked this earth telling the good news and preaching the kingdom of God. We are to represent him, represent him. We are to be who he was. We are to do what He did. No, we're not Jesus. We're not God. We're representatives. We're stewards. We are vessels. We are sharing that. But there is no way for the church to be what God called us to be without us being a supernatural church. Final verse I want you to see, Acts 10, verse 38. Let's look at this. So what did Jesus do? We, we get a capsule of what He did. What was He doing? This is what He began to do. This is what we continue to do. A supernatural church. A church that is not operating only in its ability, but has been submitted and yielded to God for supernatural ability 
to do what God wants us to do. Can we be honest today? We need something supernatural to love each other like the Bible says we should love. Can somebody say amen? We need supernatural power to be devoted to the Word and prayer. We need, see, we, we have thought, I think a lot of people have said, well, we don't believe in miracles. Well, too bad God's still doing it anyway. Rooms full of people. We've seen the testimonies and the x-rays and the doctor's reports. And God's not through doing that. But we also, just to live this life, it needs to be supernatural. So, let's look at this. What did Jesus do? Here's the picture. This is what we're to become. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, watch this, with the Holy Spirit and what? Power. See, when the Holy Spirit is upon us and within us, the power of God is present. It's supernatural. When you're praying in an unknown tongue, that's not emotion. It's not human ability. It's not just a babbling or a expressing a feeling. It's not emoting. It's not catharsis. When you're praying in an unknown tongue, the Holy Spirit has enabled you to pray beyond your ability. Romans 8 says you're praying the will of God. 1 Corinthians 14 says it is breaking the barrier of your intellectual ability and praying from God's perspective. How amazing is that? How many of us have said, I don't know what to pray? And God says, I got you. I'm going to show you how to pray this prayer right now. So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and power. So what happened? And how he went around doing good. Let me stop there. I believe Holy Spirit anointed people go around doing good things. We're good people. You know what Acts 2 said? They had the favor of all the people. The favor of God rested on them because they were good and generous and kind and compassionate. They were good people. They didn't get in the car going home. Before you get off in church, we're here. Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What was that song? He, he, some, he just died. He loved me enough to die for me. I, I love it. I just can't sing it. That's fine. We're singing that going out the door. Oh, thank you, Lord. You kept me and you love me. Did you see what she had on today? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Huh? Oh, we just praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. When is he going to shut up? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Get in the car going home. What are we going to have for lunch? McDonald's, Burger King, or Fried Preacher? Let's decide what we're going to have today. (laughs) We need some super on our natural. I'm not going back to Calvary. Why? They parked in my parking place. Had to walk ten more steps. We had some visitors there today. They didn't know that's my chair. Oh, I'm sorry. Is anybody's name on the back of that? Somebody look right now for me. No, I didn't think your name was on that. Don't look at me like that. So I'm not talking about natural church. I'm talking about supernatural church. Supernatural church. They went around doing good. But you know what? You don't have to be supernatural to do good. You know? You, you can feed somebody and not be supernatural. Right? You can feed somebody and not be born again. Am I right? 
You know, you can roll up to the corner. Somebody got a sign that says, you know, hungry, need food. And, 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 you know, Joe Heathen can roll the window down and give him some money. You don't have to be saved to be good. There are a lot of good people that aren't saved. We're not the only good people, but we're supposed to be good. All of us are supposed to be good, but not all the good people are saved. Come on, let's be honest. So if we stop here, there's no difference in us. You got me? Because there are a lot of unsaved people that are good. And there are a lot of saved people that, well, that's another day. So, so watch this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how He went around doing good. Are you ready? That's not the end of the sentence. Now. Now we see the church. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. That's the church. That's the super on our natural. Natural can feed, but super can heal. Natural can be good, but super can deliver you. Natural can do an act of kindness, but super can break the power of hell off your life. Natural can feed you. Supernatural can deliver you. Natural can fix your tire. Supernatural can fix your life. Natural can buy your groceries. Supernatural can set you free. See, we not only say we'll feed you, we'll give you the other hand and say we heal you in the name of Jesus. Why do we have two dream centers? Because we want to be good people. We love you. You're hurting. You're hungry. We feed you. We feed thousands of meals every year. But that's not the end of our sentence because we're a supernatural church. And so we feed you and then we lay hands on you and we declare in the name of Jesus, devil, get out of their life. Satan, get out of their home. Sickness, leave their body. Supernatural church. That supernatural church. See, watch this. I, I got to stop. That supernatural church had the favor of all the people. Acts 2. The church in America today is the most persecuted entity in this nation. Everything is bearing down on us. But I want you to hear me. I don't feel like a martyr. I'm not intimidated. I'm not afraid. I'm not going away. I'm not going to change my preaching. I'm not going to get a new Reader's Digest politically correct Bible. I don't feel intimidated. And I'm not afraid of tomorrow because this is what I know. If you and I will receive the power of the Holy Spirit and be the supernatural church that was birthed on the day of Pentecost, that you people will not have to like our theology. Listen to me. They will not have to agree about our Savior. But we will be so good. And we will be so powerful. That they may not get us, but they want us around. We'll have the favor of all the people. They may not want to come worship, but when their kid comes home demon-possessed, they won't take him to the bar or the Elks Club or the Lodge or the Rotary Club. They're going to bring him in the house of God, and they're going to ask the church to be the church. We had a lady in the service this morning, won't say her name, in our night o'clock who's come to this church for over 20 years. And the first time we met her, the psychiatrist called us 
because she was on a seven-point uh, 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 restraint, 24-hour suicide watch, roaring lead, demon-possessed. And they did not know what to do. So they called the supernatural church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus drove the demons out. And 20 years later, she's healthy, well, alive, working, serving God, doing good. That's good. That's real good. That's who we are. That's who we are. And if we will be who God birthed us to be, we'll have favor. We'll have harvest. We're the church. I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand together right now.